In this episode, I interview Tanya, who used to be a C-suite executive in the law industry, and then she pivoted to start her own sustainable fashion marketplace. We talk about how to start your own business, how to quote-unquote balance everything, and also a lot of different entrepreneurial tips in addition to everything about her business. So make sure you tune in. This is a jam-packed episode. Welcome to Recloseted Radio. This is the top-rated podcast for slow fashion founders. Whether you're thinking about launching a slow fashion brand, scaling an existing clothing brand, or making a brand more environmentally friendly, we have you covered. I'm your host, Selena Ho, the founder and CEO of Recloseted. Each week, I'm sharing my proven strategies or interviewing industry experts. Without any further ado, let's get started. Tanya Ali is an accomplished C-suite executive with over 13 years of experience having held executive roles at several fintechs. In May 2022, she launched Cadre Style, an e-com site for sustainable fashion brands born out of her own passion for healing the planet. Cadre Style bridges the gap between style and sustainability by providing customers with on-trend clothing from emerging brands that are vetted for transparency, fair labor, and waste reduction, while making it simple for customers to make purchases that reduce the fashion industry's negative environmental impacts. And Tanya also gave us an exciting code to share with you. So if you want to get anything from their site, you can use code RECLOSETED20 and you will get 20% off. There's no expiry date on this discount, which is amazing. So make sure you check them out and all the links will be in the show notes as well. Without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. Well, welcome, Tanya, to Recloseted Radio. I am so excited to have you on and chat with you today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Awesome. Well, to kick things off, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your career. I believe you used to be in law, so it's a little bit of a pivot, and I would love to hear how that happened. It's a it's a huge pivot, yes. I practiced law for 13 years and I was in fintech payments, so like highly regulated space, held a couple executive roles and then basically got COVID one day and was like, I don't want to do this anymore and sat down and said, what's my passion? What do I think my purpose is? And decided that I wanted to heal the planet. And so I started Cadre Style, which is an online store for sustainable fashion brands. So very different than practicing law. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about that moment? Because it was likely scary. It seemed like you had a really secure, stable corporate job and then jumping into the unknown of entrepreneurship. How was that? I would say it took me a few months to actually believe I was going to do it. But you're right. I had this cushy job. I had like made it to the top of this career path that I'm South Asian. So my parents told me you could be a doctor or a lawyer. So I was like, okay, you know, like I did this. If I leave, what will a my parents think? What will people think like to go do something in fashion? 
it just was all over the place. And I was listening to the To Be Magnetic podcast a lot. And she talks about like expanders and looking at people who have made this type of change. And I, for some reason, was very drawn to Taryn Toomey, who founded the class. It's a workout class that's like very spiritually based. And she used to be an executive at Ralph Lauren and Christian Dior. And I was like, well, if she can leave that and just like go do what she finds passionate now, why can't I? at this stage in my life, do that also. And then, you know, I I also listened to all of this like advice of, okay, you should like have six months of money saved up. But I got myself convinced that I could do this. And if I didn't love it, I said, you have two years and you know what? You can go back to being a lawyer. Like, that's it. It's just try it. If you don't try it now, when are you going to do it? And the funnier part of the story is that New Year's, January 2021, No, 2020, right? Yes. So February 2020 is when I get COVID and basically uproot my entire existence. (laughs) That January, my New Year's resolution was like, if you have an idea, you actually have to do it. And so it's kind of this like, just stop having these ideas that you never do anything about and just do it. Took the leap and here we are. Amazing. I love it. And I think it takes a lot of courage to do that. I was in a similar position. I don't think my job was probably as cushy as yours, but it still is hard to leave a biweekly paycheck to go all out on your own business. It is really hard. Yes. And to be like, okay, like I can't do like, it seems small, but like little things you got used to, whether it's like a work class that you were paying per class for or little things where like, okay, well now like my entire existence is my business. Yeah, totally. And so can you speak a little bit more about the courage piece? I know you said you listened to the be- like podcast and you tried to get expanders, but it still is really scary. And I know a lot of people listening also potentially have their own businesses and want to take that leap. So what else was really helpful for you just like on a tactical basis? So I think the best advice I got was to prepare yourself for six months. So you set aside six months of money that gives you the same lifestyle that you currently have. Now, that might not be that easy to do really quickly. And there, like, even for me, it was like, there was a transitional phase, like I was still working full time and building out the business plan and how this would work and, you know, what parts I needed. And then I was consulting for a while And so I left the full-time role and had the consulting money so that I could continue to kind of start the project, the business, but still feel this safety, right? And be able to have that lifestyle. And the reason I say it's so important and it was the best advice is because going from your current job to being a business owner is a drastic monetary change, okay? Also want to, like, it becomes your child. So you want to give it everything. You're like, no, I don't need to get that salad. I'm, I'm going to like, you know, this for my business instead. I, I will just make salad at home. Um, And so mentally there's this transition period and the less drastic you can make it for the other parts of your life, I think that keeps you mentally in a better place or it did for me. Yeah, I love that. And I've also heard really similar advice. And just another tip too is as much as you want to maintain your lifestyle, like also just know that you may have to sacrifice a few things for like a few months or maybe even a year. And then in the long run, hopefully it pays off too. So I gave myself the same like in that two year, like, okay, if you if it doesn't work, or you don't love it, you can go back to the law is also like I tell my friends, I'm like, 
two years is what I gave myself to know my life is going to be different. Like I have accepted it's going to be very different for two years. So from the thought, we're pretty far along now. But from the day I hired my first employee, we're like 13 months in, we're seven months in from launch. So there's still a little bit of time, but it gives you also like this hope and this like comfort of like, okay, we'll get there. And like, I know I can get through this like bumpy phase. Yeah, totally. And so for folks listening, they're probably wondering what your business is and what it's all about. So can you tell us a little bit more about Cadre Style? Yes. Okay. So basically, I'll I'll take you through my journey. I was really into my own waste footprint. And so like, was I using plastic I didn't need to use? Like, did I need to use, actually it started with a friend who wouldn't put a coffee lid on her coffee cup. And I was like, why don't you get a coffee? Like, it's just something we all do, right? And she's like, I'm going to drink this right now. Why do I need that? And I was like, okay, good question. And I just started to pay more attention. I'm like, I don't need a coffee lid. I either go to the kitchen in the office and get coffee, bring it to my desk, or I get at the coffee shop downstairs and take the elevator up. What do I need a lid for? Like I'm not on the subway. So I started to make little changes and it just went like in this snowball effect from like one thing to the next. And then I got to clothing and I was like, okay, like at first I really thought like, if I'm going to be like a sustainable person, I'm going to wear these like tan linen dresses all the time. And I, and I can't have style and it's going to be like terrible. And I, I don't want to commit to that. Like, I'm just going to compost and do all these other things. <laughs> and then I was researching and I, I remember I found this pair of board shorts made from recycled plastic bottles. And I thought that was so cool. And I ordered them and they were like amazing quality, great fit. And I was like, okay, let me like find more clothes. And I started to find these brands that had great product. And when I say great, like sustainable end to end quality style, but that search was such a long process. And so I thought like if somebody just created like a Whole Foods for sustainable clothes where like it feels like a regular grocery store, right? So it would feel like a regular retail experience, but this the company, the store would vet all the brands for you, I would shop there. So I decided that that was what I was going to do. I was going to create the store I wanted. And so, and I'm sure we'll get into like more of these details, but we sat down and decided like what we want to do is our mission, what sustainability means to me and how do we get there? And the simplest thing is Right now we, you know, or what we do is we give you access to truly sustainable brands and you can shop online and you will, you know, you get your 30 day return guarantee. Like it's a regular store. Yeah, I love it. And I want to dive a little bit more into it later, but I'm just going to hit pause. And you mentioned what sustainability means to you. And I'm actually really curious about what your definition is. You know, we have our pillars at Cadre and we can talk about those in detail, but sustainability at the end of the day really just means love. Like it is love for your planet. It's love for the people making the clothes. It's love if you're, you know, I'm wearing a wool sweater from one of our brands. They take the wool during the summertime with care of the animal in mind. So it's love for the animals. It's just love in the practice of how we create the garments. Yeah. I love that. And so in terms of your business model, I would love to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that. So how does it work with the brands? How does it work on the customer side of things? What does that all look like? 
We're technically a marketplace. So from the brand's perspective, it's a dropship model, which also helps in the sustainability because it's shipped once from the brand to the customer. We don't get in the middle. So there's no two shipping points. Not that shipping is great for the planet, but we're a global society. We can't really like at this moment be like, we're very local and like, we're all going to buy local. And so it's a marketplace, but it's highly curated. So we will not only you know, go speak to brands we love, but we will vet the product, we'll pick the pieces that we feel fit our customer best. And that's what we'll bring onto the site. And from the consumer perspective, you can go on cadre style, you get to shop like any other e-tailer, you order your product, it will come in, it'll be shipped directly from the brand. When you were to return it, you just reach out to us, we give you a label, get sent back, you get your refund. And that's it. It's really simple. Yeah, makes sense. And so how do you decide which brands you want to have on your site and on your marketplace? And how do you vet them to really ensure that they're up to your standards? So we have we have a double vetting process. So like I was saying, our core pillars are transparency, fair labor and waste reduction. And waste reduction is there because, you know, sustainability is this broad term, like, what is it? And then what can we do? Right? So knowing that fashion is this giant, you know, polluter to the planet, I wanted to tackle something that I felt could be tackled and changed. And that was the waste component. And so we work exclusively with brands that either use recycled or biodegradable materials. So that's like our our main waste reduction piece. And then under that, you know, we love when brands use recycled water or low impact dyes. Now at this moment, we haven't put a harsh line there because we also really believe that In order for sustainability to become something that's very, very common in brands, we need to support the brands that are making change in the right direction. So that's where we kind of put like, okay, here's a land in this line in the sand. And we'll, you know, tell you, we'll tell the consumer, okay, they also do these great things, but it's really the recycled and biodegradable materials. So I had a list of brands that I was already shopping from. I brought on this amazing merchandiser who was really into sustainability and we go to each brand, we give them our questionnaire, which is like a preliminary, let's see, like, okay, are you going to answer these questions? A, are you going to be transparent and let us like see what's under the hood, your manufacturing process, your materials, B, the fair labor concept, like, do you even know end to end where your product is being made by whom and how they're being treated? And then the materials of like, you know, are you using recycled or using natural fibers? Uh, What percentage. And after that, we then work with Hey Social Good. And what they do is essentially a background check. So they then speak to the brand and do a detailed check on the material and social impact. And they use a framework that's built against the UN SDGs and it's 500 data points that they're checking. So then the brand gets like a gold, silver or bronze medal based on where they are in that sustainability assessment. And that's something else that's like core to us. We're very into promoting brands that are doing sustainable production and sustainability and sustainable fashion. We don't want to say like, hey, what you did isn't good enough. So the metals will essentially be like a gap analysis. It's like, hey, you're here at silver. You've done all of these great things. If you want to get to gold, these are things you could implement in the future. And so that's the system, but we do do a double vetting process and we have someone else that's actually going behind the scenes, checking if you say you're certified, is it valid? Is it up to date? If you say there's no child labor, is there anything on the internet 
that shows otherwise, like an Instagram post with kids in the back. So we really get in there. Yeah. No, that is amazing that you have such a rigorous vetting process. And I love that it starts internally with your pillars and your values, and then you've brought in experts. So I think that's really great. And from a customer's perspective, I'm curious, what has the reaction been from your community? And are you finding that people are really like, they're just really liking it? Or what is the feedback you've been hearing so far? Consumers love the products. I mean, we, I wouldn't, put anything on the site that I wouldn't wear quality wise. But what we're learning is that people really love the little bite size education, right? Like they love being able to access more information. And the way we've positioned it is, if you go on each products page under the description, there's like, you know, your like style, like, what is this? It's a, a boxy sweater, wear it with, you know, a pair of jeans, and then we'll go into like, it's made from organic cotton or 100% a pack of wool that was, you know, sourced in this manner. So they have access without feeling like we're pushing eco anxiety or pushing all of this information that they may not want to know so they can find it. And we feel like that's what's really getting customers to see and to understand the change. Like we do a lot of, um, I call them ultra eco. So it's like, hey, you could get this pair of wide leg denim, which uses 1800 gallons of water to produce or this pair that looks the same and it uses 60% less water. So it's giving them the choice and that bit of information to make a conscious decision. Awesome. I'm really glad to hear because it really does seem like folks are starting to care more about that now. And I love that you're giving them the data and you're empowering them with the choice just to act in accordance with their values, which is great. Yeah, because that's the thing right now, like, people don't know what they don't know, right? Like, unless you're a person like me who was like, so obsessed with it down to like, I remember looking at a pair of pants, and I it said, like, this is a sustainable brand on Instagram. And I like, go into the shop, go into the details. And it was a bamboo button on the pants that was sustainable. And I was like, that doesn't make the pants sustainable. But like, unless you're so into that, like, I must know everything. There's, you just want someone to make it easier for you. You want to be aware of why you should care about this shirt versus that shirt, but you really want to feel like the world's going to end tomorrow if I don't buy this shirt. No, totally. Yeah. And I'm also really curious in building this business, what have you found has been the biggest challenges or what do you think are some of the biggest lessons you've learned so far? I think the biggest lesson that I've learned and it's, you know, you have it in even as a lawyer, but like when it's your own business, it is much more personal. Like you get more emotionally attached is the lesson is you're going to fail at things. Like you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Like in each, let's call it a mistake, you will learn something that will help you either improve your product or, in, you know, prevent something else from the future. So I would tell people like, it's just, it's okay. Like the more mistakes you make in the beginning, the better it is down the line because you will learn so much. Yeah, I love it. And I really think embracing and reframing your view of failure too, because it all is just learning lessons at the end of the day. And I always like to say you don't fail until you stop and you don't get back up again. So it's just like another way to think about it too. I love that so much. Yeah, like you you really don't fail until you stop. And like I think about, and this is so funny, but like I, I do not know when I read this, but at some point it was like as a lawyer, I read that early in Mark Jacobs's career, he was fired by Perry Ellis. And it would be easy to be like, well, I got fired. So that's failure, right? But look at what Mark Jacobs did after Perry Ellis. <laughs> look at where he is. 
right? It's like that, whatever that was for him, wherever the universe was taking him, whatever lesson he had to learn. I mean, you will succeed at what you want to be successful at. Yes, totally. And so I want to also hear if you have any other general entrepreneurial tips. I know that it's definitely different working a corporate job and then having your own business. That's your baby, like we talked about. So yeah, any other tips or strategies you want to share? Yes, I think one of the biggest things to really like know is or to practice is play to your strength. Like nobody knows everything. You are not going to be the best marketer and the best merchandiser and, you know, the best everything. Okay. Like even as a lawyer, like you have a specific niche that you're good at. I was in in-house, so I was more like contracts. I wasn't a litigator, anything. You will have strengths, whether you're good at the business side or the creative side, play to your strengths and then find the right people to fill in the gap of the things you don't know or are not the best at instead of trying to kill yourself and be like, A, I'm going to learn it or B, like, I'm just like, I, I can, you know, do everything by myself. So that and the other one is like, you know, take support where you need support. There's, it's very easy to, as an entrepreneur, be like, okay, this is my idea. This is my child. Like, this is what I am doing. So I am going to, you know, micromanage or oversee everything in like a way or, or I'll just do it myself. Just take the support, you know, like if, if you're by yourself, maybe you have a consultant help you with a few things here or there, or a friend, you can always ask friends. And then if you have a team, like do use your team. And that's something that I think is very helpful. And it's good good practice for your own sanity. I find that sometimes for me and also for my clients and our listeners, letting go of that control can be really tough because again, at the end of the day, you think that this is your baby, this is your child, it's it's your big project. So what has been helpful to allow you to let go of that control? I think knowing that there's like this idea of perfection, right? Like, especially like type A, South Asian, like we're like, oh my God, like everything has to be perfect and and we just have to do it. But the perfection is in your head, right? Like you don't know what I think is going to be the perfect version of, let's say an ad for Cadre. It's what I know in my head, I think is perfect. So letting go of that and just, you know, releasing that idea. And also everything doesn't have to be perfect. A lot of times it's like, get it out there and you might learn something from it, right? You might think, this is a great concept. And then you find that like, people are not resonating with it. So you know what? So it's just, just do more with less fear and less idea of like, it must be perfect before it goes out there. Because again, going back to failure, and just going back to people in general, like creating a business, you're putting yourself out there, right? And you again, feel very personally attached to it. So if you, you have to remember that not everyone is going to love your idea, you as a person, things that you say or your business says, and especially with social media, like there are going to be trolls and haters and all of this. And you just have to be like, that doesn't matter and focus on the positive and the good and the support that you have. Yeah. No, totally. And I also find that sometimes the way we want things done can be very particular. And it's like, if we can get to the end goal, but people want to do their own way of getting there, like, that's totally fine. And I think that took me a really long time to learn as well. Yeah. And like, people have such different processes. Also, like, when you don't um, open yourself up, it's like, 
being an entrepreneur, you're a CEO, right? So you're the leader. And at some point you will have this team that you manage. And if you don't give them space to grow and do what they're good at, even if it's not the way you would have gotten to that goal or project, they're not going to a be able to grow in your business for you or support the business the way it needs or grow as a person themselves. But B, you may not learn things. Like I have learned so many things, whether it was in my legal career managing other people or even at Cadre, like people, they do things differently, but it actually, you're like, wow, that's really a great idea. I am going to implement that. And you close yourself off to all this information and creativity that you could have just easily had access to. Yeah, totally. I know that's a really good way to look at it. And so when it comes to being your own boss, you have a lot on the go. So do you believe in balance? And if so, or if not, how do you, you know, quote unquote, balance everything? Um, I believe in balance. Yes. Do I have balance? No. Right now we are working on a rebrand. So it's like less balance than ever possible. And I've kind of told myself and I prep myself that like there will be periods where it's more work, less play. But then there's also going to be times where you do have like the freedom to see your friends and do more and have fun. And so there. I, it's kind of interesting because it's not like every week is balanced, but let's say like every month is balanced, right? Like you do, I do see people. I try to like socialize at least once a week. I also take, I actually make it a priority that like Saturdays I don't work because I need to like give myself a break and a rest. And the only way for me to do that, and this was even when I was a lawyer, was like to actually be like, this is your one day that you are absolutely not allowed to work, period. Like a nap, you can watch TV, you can see your friends, you can do self-care, you just cannot work. And that kind of rest, while it feels counterintuitive, you're like, no, but like I have so many things to do. You're much more productive when you let yourself take that break. Yeah. No, I feel like that's so important because we can push ourselves and push ourselves and then all of a sudden we're burnt to a crisp and we can't do anything. And then your body just kind of shuts down and forces you to rest. So I always say you either choose when you rest or your body will force you to rest. And it's so much better just to choose and have one day a week like you talked about or hopefully a couple of days a week if you're able to. But, you know, just just make sure you you are taking time time for yourself. Yeah, you're so right. Like your body will eventually just be like, no, no, thank you. I remember one time, um, like in my legal career, I was working like crazy. This is actually like the reason I implemented the Saturdays off was I, my, I had an assistant and she calls me one evening and she's like, why is your cell phone in my bag? And I was like, what? And like, I have no reason to touch her bag or to like be near it. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And I put my work cell phone in her bag and it, and I don't even know this, like my brain and my body was like, I don't want to do this. Like I need a break, set the phone away. And I was like, okay. So then I like told my boss, I was like, listen, on Saturdays, I will check my email in the morning. And then after I check it that one time, I will not speak to you again until Sunday. And unless everything is on fire, do not call me. That was when I started. And then it's now like even without noticing it in cadre, like I will just take that one day and just shut off completely from work. And it's been the best idea I've ever had for myself and like my working cadence. Yeah, love it. And how do you structure your other days? Like, do you have a typical week? Or how do you like to structure your time? That's such a good question. And it's so interesting. So I have found that like, 
because cadre is very different than being a lawyer, it's like much more creative. And that creative side is like really exciting to me. It's new. It's fun. I've realized that there's actually like days where I'm just like ready to go, ready to create like all of that energy and juices going. And if I use those days to do the creative part, it's like really better than trying to be like, okay, every day, like you need to accomplish all these things. So what I've tried to do is instead of I try to create like, okay, here's like a general map of the month and like what you need to accomplish and what week you want to put those chunkier tasks into. And then each day when I get up, I'm like, okay, what, like what is on today's plate that you want to accomplish? Because sometimes your brain is like, I I can't like, I I can't create anything right now. So like that day, it's like, okay, let's do like, you know, admin stuff or number of stuff. And I kind of let my body and my mind tell me on a day to day basis, but I have like this like overarching monthly planner. Yeah, we I feel like we're the same person because I do the exact same thing. Like we plan out our quarterly projects and then we distill it down into months and then we have like a weekly task and then a daily one. But yeah, like sometimes I've learned that you just wake up one day and you're like, "Mm, this is not the day (laughs) and you just give yourself grace and you just move things around and it's fine. Yeah, because you're still going to get it done. Like, first of all, being an entrepreneur, 90% of the deadlines are self-created, right? So like, I'm the one in the control seat here. So I can move things around more freely, which actually is like, that's one of the greater parts about running your own business. Now, at the same time, everyone else is dependent on you. So sometimes it's like, well, if I am going to move this, that means all of these other pieces are moving, but you figure it out, right? Every single day. Like, okay. I actually had one day where I was, so I still haven't properly launched Cadre's TikTok, which is like on the to-do list for this quarter, should be on for this month. But I tried one day where I was like, okay, I'm just going to like film it all this one day. And I had done like a practice TikTok a week before and that practice one that day, like it was great. I was like in this, like, okay, like I have all these ideas, like I'm comfortable and like speaking to the camera today. And then the day I'd set aside for filming, It was a flop. Like, I don't know if like my brain, my mouth, my body, no no part of me wanted to participate. And it felt like so much work, so hard. And so it was like, okay, you know what? Like, this is not the day. Like, you, you can't do this today. Yeah. And that's okay. Give yourself grace. It's all right. And then you'll do it another day and it'll be great. I find that the days where you force yourself to do stuff, I always look back on stuff and I'm like, oh my God, that was so bad. I'm going to have to redo it. Whereas if I just took the day off and I just rested, I probably would have saved myself that heartache. (laughs) Yeah. Or like also I think part and like, I feel like you're like me, like we're kind of so ingrained and used to this like planning to-do list hour by hour, like where is everything? And There's also this like kind of natural, like not just authenticity, but like cycle to how things work. So like, yeah, sometimes like you, you know, like you're like, okay, I'm just, if I just do this now, I have this idea, like this is where my like head's at. Let's just like tackle this right now, even though it's something I I didn't plan on doing for a week or whatever. You do have such a, like, it's a better product, right? Like whether marketing for me, like, I mean, last night I like stayed up till 3am because I was like, oh, I have all these ideas. I just, I just have to like get them out. Um, But that's where they were. And that was the best time. And even if it was like not the March planning day, who cares? I can revisit it later and like edit it, but it's there. 
No, totally. So I also want to quickly talk about the fashion industry because I know you're really passionate about that. But if you had a magic wand and you could fix anything in the fashion industry, what would you like to fix and why? So I have two things I want to fix. One, I really just want, and it's the fashion industry that drives this, but it's also consumers. Let's go back to style. Like we've just become this society where it's like a new outfit equals style. And that's not the case, right? Like style is how you wear your, it's not being like, oh, every time I have something to go to, I have to buy something new. Like, Yes, buy stuff, have fun. Like, I'm not saying don't, but I have these like rules to sustainable shopping, which I practice too. And it's the first thing is shop your closet. Like, just go back in there, pretend it's a rack, literally look through everything. You might have like another inspired idea that you didn't think of wearing like this pant with that shirt. And now you're like, oh my God, this is an outfit I want to wear. Or you'd be like, oh, I love these pants. And you picture like, okay, I want something like this to wear with it. You want something new? Okay, then, you know, go shop, but make conscious choices when you shop, you know, shop cadre. And then, you know, if it doesn't exist in a conscious brand, I say, okay, like go shop vintage or resale, right? I love the real, real. Um, So those are my rules. And I think if we could bring back the style and get out of this like overconsumption cycle and overproduction cycle from the fashion industry side, right? Like we don't need micro seasons. Winter is winter, fall, spring, like it's the same weather. Why do you have to keep giving us more of and it's usually like more of the same thing just a different color and then the other thing is and this it's I this is from the legal side like the lawyer in me just really really wants the top to start regulating and you know pushing change forward because if actual laws against what is held to like a what sustainability means or like what chemicals are permitted, like how much water to use, all of these things will make a bigger difference if there's someone saying like you as a brand can't do this anymore, which will like, those are my two things I wish would change. Yeah. Well, I have good news. The second one is actually happening, as you likely know. So I've been to a lot of fashion conferences last year and also going to more this year. But yeah, regulations coming down really, really quickly in the EU, which is so exciting. And I also know in the States as well, there's been some good action. So it is coming. And I think the brands listening and the entrepreneurs listening that are walking the walk just know that, you know, you're going to be fine and the other companies are going to have to shape up. Yes. And like the New York Fashion Act, that's amazing. Um, I love like I love them. They're always like first in, in any sort of regulation, even in financial regulation, like they put it out first and then US like follows. I wish the US would be as fast. And I really do hope and feel and I'm sure you agree, like because Europe is moving faster, we'll see a bigger push here. I think there will be. So yeah, hopefully your second wish comes true. And so I know a lot of our listeners are also wanting to start their own brand or start their own business. So just a fun lawyer question for you. What do you think people need to know before starting their own business when it comes to legal items? Like what do you think they have to have? What do you think is maybe a nice to have? Okay, great question. So the two things I'm going to say is first of all, or maybe it's a few, but you want to set your corporation up properly. I will tell you as a lawyer, it feels kind of daunting, but really, if you go to any state's website, it's forms that you fill out and it's a lot simpler than you think. And that way you don't have to pay these like little agencies that say like, I'll set your company up. The complicated part is the tax. So you want a good accountant that can tell you like, okay, 
this is the type of company you want for whatever you're doing. And then you go into the forms, you fill it out. It's like literally saying like state of Delaware website. And they will like tell you like you want to be an LLC, send three copies of this form here. (laughs) Um, Then the other thing is whatever you're doing, make sure you have a good template agreement. And if you don't like you, it's good to have a lawyer help you with that. It's good to be like, find someone who you can be like, okay, this is what I'm doing and have them work something out for you. If you can't afford to do that, Google agreements that are for the exact thing you're doing and then look at a bunch of templates and make sure you've covered yourself from every basis. So like the real big things for people to keep in mind is how much am I getting paid? When am I getting paid? What are What's the length of this contract? And what happens if I want to get out of it? Like you do want, always want to consider like, okay, well, what if I, you know, in a year don't want to work with this company or this vendor or whatever, um, you want an out. And then you want to make sure you're you're protected, right? And that gets like more legal, right? Like what are the liabilities in your industry? What do you need to protect yourself from? But the simplest way to think about it is don't think it from the lawyer side, just think like, okay, what am I doing? What's the worst thing that could happen? What do I want to protect myself from? And so if you're going in and reading templates, which again, like always better to have a lawyer, but I understand like when you're starting something, you might be like, okay, well, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to like, just going to sell jewelry for a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to do this forever. Just make, keep that in your head. You're looking for agreements that protect you for the things that you've listed you need to be protected from. Awesome. That's really helpful. And so wrapping up here, do you have any books, podcasts, or anything you really want to share or recommend? Oh my God, there's so many. Actually, I actually wrote out my little list for you. So the two books that I read that really changed how I thought about fashion was Worn Out by Alyssa Hardy and uh, Overdressed by Elizabeth Klein. And then documentaries. So I haven't actually found one or I've not found one. I haven't watched one on fashion, but things that I watched early on that like impacted me a lot, like the Leonardo DiCaprio documentary, What the Health. So like it really talked about plants and how they affect you. Also Heal and then Minimalist. That was like a big one that really made me think about like, what am I doing? (laughs) And what am I using that I need? Those are my, my books and documentaries. Awesome. Love it. And so what is next for Cadre Style? I know you mentioned a rebrand, which is really exciting, but what is what else do you have that you're excited about and you want to share? So excited first for me to finally launch that TikTok. So get ready to like see too much behind the scenes. Um, but also we're bringing you more brands, more depth of products. We're really excited to like have these new brands onboard them, get you really cool new styles, things that use like innovative materials. So that's what's really big for this year. And that's our, our big to do. <laughs> I love it. And so how can everyone stay in touch and support you? And also, we have a lot of founders that own brands listening as well. So if some of them are interested in selling on Cadre, how do they reach out? What does the process look like? Um, yeah, tell us all the things. Well, there you can email us at info at Cadre Style if you want to. And it's at the bottom of our site. Like if you want to join as a brand, please do like send us an email. We would love to like hear what you're doing. And then Instagram, you can DM us on Instagram, like 
at cadre.style and we will see the messages, we'll respond to you. And for just consumers and everyone else, the website is cadre, C-A-D-R-E, style.com. Instagram is cadre.style. TikTok is also (laughs) cadre.style coming soon. (laughs) And we'll have everything linked in the show notes too, just to help folks out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I feel like you shared so much entrepreneurial wisdom and also took us behind the scenes of your business, which is really exciting. And I know folks will get a lot out of it. So thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you. And that concludes this episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, and tag us at Recloseted. Make sure you subscribe to our Recloseted Radio podcast on your preferred podcast platform so that new episodes are automatically downloaded and you don't miss any of our free resources. Lastly, don't forget to rate our podcast five stars and leave us a positive review. That really helps us and continues to allow us to provide this podcast for free. Together, let's write the harmful fashion industry.